0: My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here to Evangel, I want to welcome you. And again, if, uh, if you're new, we'd love to connect with you and uh, walk with you. Hope that you feel at home. I saw a few people after last service that uh, they've just been here for a couple weeks, and God's uh, really been blessing them. They've really enjoyed their time with us. And I hope that you feel at home and welcomed. Uh, God has some great things in store for us in 2018, and we're excited to see where he's going to take us. And, um, and I just hope you'll jump in and be a part of this journey with us. Uh, We are starting a series today called Hunger and Thirst. Hunger and Thirst. And I'm preaching this right before lunchtime for some of you. And I'm going to tell you, I just have a feeling that even as we begin going forward, these messages might get a little harder because you might be getting a little hungrier uh, as we go through it. But associated with this series is going to be a season of prayer and fasting. And I'm going to spend time today in the Word just talking about that. But I want to lay some groundwork. And I just want... um, us just kind of to dig into God's word this morning. If you uh, are able to, I want you to take out something that you could write down or take notes with, pull out your phone, pull out a notepad there, uh, get something ready because you're going to see a lot of verses coming your way, and, uh, and I just believe that what I'm sharing today is going to help sustain you through the next few weeks and that God's going to bring some of this back to your remembrance as we move forward. So uh, Lord, I just ask you to come now. And Lord God, would you speak to us collectively. Jesus, I hide behind uh, your cross. Uh, Lord, I rely on your power. Lord, come and make clear, uh, Lord God, these words. Lord God, make your word alive and active in every heart, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Matthew chapter 5. Let me flip into a couple places in Scripture today. Um, And we will have most of the verses up here on the screen, so you can follow along that way as well. Matthew chapter five, Jesus is addressing a multitude of people in what we now know as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where Jesus is sharing about the kingdom. He's sharing about God's rule and God's reign and God's priorities. And he's just helping everyone to see what they couldn't see before. And it's there in that passage in in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus begins to repeat this statement, blessed are those who, blessed are those, blessed are those, and and he begins to lay out these characteristics of individuals, and I want to hone in on one of them in verse 6 that Jesus says. Here's what he says in Matthew 5, 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is a powerful statements, a loaded statement. Jesus says, he uses this idea of hunger and thirst, and we all understand in some regard what that means, a longing for, a longing for something. And he said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you'll be filled. So what is righteousness? Righteousness, a good way to define this is it's God's best. It's God's right way. If we long and Long and hunger and thirst for God's right way, we will be filled. What does it mean to be filled? It means to be satisfied or fulfilled. He says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It, it, at the core, it gets to this principle that I've been wrestling with. And I, I believe that it will be a foundational truth that we have to realize as we walk through this hunger and thirst series. It is this, that your appetite will determine your abundance. Your appetite will determine your abundance. Another way of saying this, is: whatever you have an appetite for will ultimately result in what you have an abundance of in your life. What you're hungry for is what you will eventually have, right? Uh, You'll possess that. And I know for some of you, you know what that's like. You know you get something in your mind and you want it and you will have it and you have it. What we have an appetite for in this life, in our diet... In every area, in every facet of our existence, what we hunger for and thirst for is what we will have. What our appetite points us towards is what we'll end up with abundance, abundance of. And so that's important for us to realize. Now, here's what God promises. If we hunger and thirst for His best, then we're going to be filled in a way that the world could never fill us. We'll be fulfilled. We'll have an abundance of His presence in our lives. I want God's best. I don't know about you. I want you to think about what that would mean. And I I just believe for any of us that are here today, you would would say, I want God's best in my life. And we use these general uh, terms and circumstances, but I want you to become very specific right now. Because it's going to help you by the end of our message today. It's going to help you through this next season. Where do you want to see God's best showing up in your life? Do you want his best in your marriage? Do you want his best in your parenting? Do you want his best in in the private areas of your life? Do you want his best in your body? Do you want his best in your work? Where do you want to see God show up and break through in your life? Because I believe this, that as we seek God, we'll find him. And as we set our hearts on that, that, Lord, I want your best. I want what's right in your eyes, not just what's right in my eyes. I want your righteousness, Lord God, your right way, Lord God, I want that as first priority in my life. I want to hunger and thirst and long for it. And when that happens, I won't be empty. I'll be full. I'll be filled. I'll be fulfilled inside of my being. Well, whenever we walk through life, we can see... That there are areas of our life where we just don't see God breaking through maybe. There's something maybe you've been longing for, you've been praying for, you've been desiring. For some of you, it might be a, a cycle that has been repeating itself and you cannot find freedom from it. For others, you have been praying and believing for a circumstance to change because something difficult or trying has happened. And you've prayed and you've been at altar calls and you've done everything and, and it hasn't resolved. You haven't seen a tremendous breakthrough and you, you're continuing to believe God for that. There are times where we run into circumstances where we are not clear and we have no direction. We've asked for it and everything seems foggy. There are so many areas in our lives and when we look at those walls, when we look at those mountains, when we look at whatever it is you describe those as, those are areas where we need breakthrough. And what that means is I need to see God break through this circumstance, break into this place. I mean, the ultimate breakthrough that ever happened was John 1.14. The word became flesh. Jesus broke into our brokenness and he brought about healing every Everywhere he went. Every healing you see in the scriptures is a breakthrough. It's heaven breaking into earth. It's heaven breaking into broken bodies and making them well. We see breakthrough. Our God is the God of breakthrough, He's the God of the impossible. So there are areas we'll run into where, man, nothing but breakthrough will satisfy the need. And we find this, if you'll flip with me, turn over a few chapters to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, we find that there is a crowd of people. And amongst the crowd, there's a man who comes up to Jesus and he kneels in front of him. And this man says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures. He's suffering greatly. He falls into fire and into the water. And Lord, I even brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So this is interesting because if we look back in Scripture and going back into Matthew, we see there's a moment in time where Jesus sends out his disciples. He gives them authority over sickness, over disease, over demons, over all kinds of things. And he says, go. And there's healing that they perform. There's miracles that accompany them as they continue forward in faith, trusting Jesus at his word. So they walk in that, but they run into this one area, this one circumstance, this one child. And they're praying and they're believing and nothing happens. And now they've come to Jesus, and they're asking him. And now I want you to see how Jesus responds. That's what I want us to pay attention to here in Matthew chapter 17, verse 17, because I believe it gets to the root of the problem. Here's what he says. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, some of you are like, whoa, calm down, Jesus. That's a little, that's, that's intense. I was not expecting you to say that to me, pastor. I want to hear the Lord is my shepherd and all these nicer things. This is what Jesus says. He, it's kind of a rebuke. And he's not telling this man who has a son who's suffering. He's not, it's not even directed there. It's directed at the whole generation, the, whole, the world around him. He said this is a systemic problem among the people, is that this is an unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, let's just take a deeper look at those two words and unpackage them for a moment. Unbelieving means a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. He said there's, you, you don't have faith. Your faith is failing right now. And then when you see the word perverse, and this phrase kind of shows up in the Old Testament in different times throughout Scripture, and this is used to speak to people. So when we talk about a perverse generation, here's what it means: it means twisted. Your priorities are twisted. Your view you're not, you're not pointed towards God's best. You're in the mess, you're in things that don't please God, you're in the world, you're just receiving things, not from God, you're not seeking him, you're seeking out all these other things, and you're trying to find your satisfaction in those things. That's the perverseness of this world, because there's so many things that will continue to try to distract us, to continue to try to get our attention off of God and onto them. Oftentimes, it's really to get our attention off God and onto ourselves, right? He says something's twisted, he says, this is a problem. And I believe that this wasn't just for them. This spreads out. And honestly, today it moments be compounded that we have this issue of unbelief and a perversion that's come over us. And I know that's a strong word, but we have to ask the Lord to search our hearts. Is there any way that isn't right in me? Is there any way that's twisted, that, that is perverse in its nature, that has turned away from how it should function? Jesus said, when this happens, this gets to the root of some things, that there is a problem that's going on, and Jesus points to it as being a connection problem. I know for me, in in my house, I have... A Wi-Fi router, and many of you do as well, right? You have a, some kind of device that needs to connect to the internet, and you're not plugging it in with a cord. You have wireless. Let me see how many of you have wireless internet. Come on, let me see your hands. Yeah, okay. I shouldn't even ask the question. All of us do. You just don't. You never are going to raise your hand when I ask you to. That's okay. Um, I see you. It's all right. No. Um, we have wireless. We understand what that means to be connected to it. I have this interesting thing that's happening in my house, because with the router that I... That I purchased or got from my internet supplier, there are two internets that always show up. Here's the problem, though. One of them doesn't have any signal to it, and the other one does. I don't know if you have this issue or if I'm all alone, but don't you know every single time I open my computer, it connects to the one without the internet? And there I am, like, freaking out, ready to call the internet company, and I'm going through it, and, and I have to keep remembering, no, it's the connection. i got to check the connection. There it is, connected to the wrong way. I try to forget it. I try to disable it. I've tried to do everything I can, um, but it's not seeming to work, and I always seem to connect to the wrong thing that doesn't have any power flowing to it. Our hearts are the same way. Jesus gets to a connection problem. The first one, unbelieving, it speaks to a connection problem that we're not connected enough with Jesus. There's not a connection that's deep enough with him. We're growing disconnected from him. And a perversion really shows a deepening connection to the world. And so when we see that when we become too connected with the world and disconnected from Jesus, there are abundance of problems that will come into our lives. Some of us, we have to look in these areas and say, Lord, what's the solution? How can I find remedy to this? And I believe for us, is it's exactly what we're walking into in this season of prayer and fasting. Because when the disciples pulled Jesus aside and they began to ask him, Lord, why didn't this happen? And they asked him privately. Jesus said, it's because of your faith. Your faith was too small. It was, and he said, you only need faith like a mustard seed, but your faith was failing you. And so when we see where faith grows, faith grows through an intimate connection and relationship with Jesus. It grows through a deepening relationship. And you will find... That if you want to see your faith grow, if you want to see yourself beginning to believe God for more and more and more, I have a simple answer for you. Simple, not because, um, not because it's easy, but simple because it's not complex. You want to know what the answer is? It's prayer. Deepen your prayer life. No, pastor, I want to know what book I need to read and what thing. No, no, pray more. I'm serious. Get alone with God more and watch what he does. I think for some of us, we are wondering why the power isn't on in our lives, why we're not seeing God move. Look no further than your prayer life. Are you praying? Are you seeking him? Are you drawing near to him regularly? We cannot think that we come into church on one Sunday and spend an hour with God a week, and man, the power is going to be flowing. All week long, all year long. No, I want you to know that you will find him to the portion, proportion that you've drawn near to him. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you are like, Oh, I didn't see that before. I thought apart from me, you can do something. I mean, I could do something. We can do nothing. What does that mean? That if we live apart from Jesus, we can't experience the life, the power, the abundance that he wants to bring into our lives. I mean, it's like he he likens it to a vine and branches. How good is a vine, a branch that's disconnected from the vine? It doesn't have its source. It's not connected. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't want to believe that's true. But church, it's true. It's true. It's true. We got to get more connected to him. And I want you to know that the place of prayer is that place of connection with Christ. It's a place of drawing near to God. Prayer is a place of connecting with God. It's where we draw near to him. It's where we set our focus on him. And it is the place where our faith grows. Our faith grows. I want you to know you will see this happen. The more you draw near to God, the more you believe him for greater and greater things. And guess what? The more you begin to see greater and greater things in your life. Come on, will somebody agree with me today? Come on, can somebody say, I know that to be true in my own life. I've seen that as I draw near to God, he hears me. And we enjoy this relationship. Jesus makes a promise in John, just two verses later, John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I don't know Jesus to be someone who made promises he didn't keep or that he lied. This is what he says. If you remain in him, if we abide in that kind of connection, in that kind of intimate relationship, you will even begin to ask for things and you have them. They'll happen. They'll be accomplished in your life because you've drawn near to me and my word has remained in you. This is what happens as a result of that. So this is a practice that we've understood, we've taken seriously. I want you to know a prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless church is a powerless church. I want you to know prayer is at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. It's the way we have relationship with God. It's the way we draw near to him. It's one of the practices that we have, one of our disciplines, one of the the things that are kind of essential to who we are. But there are other practices as well. There are other things that we see modeled in the Bible, and they fall out of practice in the present. Some do, but we don't see it as widespread as prayer, and I want to talk about one of those, because that's to do with the season we're walking into. It is fasting. Fasting is something that we find throughout scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in the time of Jesus and after Jesus. We see fasting as this practice. It's something that was very important at different seasons throughout the Bible, but in many ways it's fallen out of practice today in the present. God's quickening our heart that we would step into a season of fasting as we see outlined in Scripture and pointed out in Scripture. But I want to talk to you about this, and I want to point to a few places if you want to read more about it, um, where you can see fasting showing up in the Bible, in the Old Testament and New Testament. In Exodus chapter 38, we see Moses is speaking spirit, uh, seeking spiritual breakthrough. I said, where do we want to see breakthrough? He's seeking spiritual breakthrough when he spent 40 days alone with God, not eating or drinking, fasting, until he received the Ten Commandments. We see King David, Psalm 35. 15, he sought personal breakthrough as he fasted and he kept himself humble. Ezra, when seeking breakthrough, he called God's people to fast and pray for protection against their enemies in Ezra 8. Daniel, he fasted and prayed and he sought a restorative breakthrough for the exiled people. The people were living in exile. They were in captivity. Daniel 9. The Apostle Paul, we find in Acts chapter 9, after he has a, a miraculous moment with Jesus, he experiences breakthrough there. And, um, and and he fasts and prays to understand how this would affect his life. Even Jesus himself entered into his public ministry with 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And it's there that God worked in amazing ways. And we, we can read about that in Matthew chapter 4. Fasting. As a definition, I just want to give you a simple, boiled-down definition. It's going without food to focus on God. Fasting is going without food to focus on God. This is what we see in Scripture. This is what we see happening um, around us. Here's what I want to talk to you about is what fasting is. And I want to tell you a few words about what fasting is not, okay? Fasting is not dieting. Fasting is drawing near to God, not dieting, okay? Okay? I want you to know there's a difference, though, dieting is healthy. Dieting brings natural solutions. It brings natural results. Fasting brings supernatural results. I want you to know there's a difference there. You will see some natural results to fasting, and you'll see some natural results to dieting, but I want you to know that you can expect supernatural results when we fast before the Lord and we trust him. It's about more than any of those other things with with dieting. So it's not the same. Those are not the same. Fasting also is not a hunger strike. I want you to know what a hunger strike is. A hunger strike happens when someone wants their way and they refuse to eat until they get their way. Are you with me? Fasting in some Christian circles has been kind of likened to that. Like if I stop eating, God will eventually come around to my idea of what I want him to do. Are you with me? It's not that. I love what Ed Cole says. He says, a fast is not a hunger strike. Fasting submits to God's commands. A hunger strike tries to make God submit to our demands. So know that when you enter into this season, it's not about that. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. What will in fact happen in the midst of a, A a fasting season is you'll begin to be challenged in areas where you need to submit in those areas to the Lord. Where you'll need to allow the Lord to work in some areas that you weren't even anticipating. You weren't even thinking about beforehand. This is what happens. Here's what I believe fasting does. It helps us realign our appetites. What are we truly hungering and thirsting for? What is it we're truly longing for? I want you to know that it's through this kind of season of prayer and fasting that the Lord can realign your appetite towards the things that matter most to his heart, that we can begin to not hunger and thirst for things that we used to, things that would destroy us, things that would hurt us or hold us back or distract us, but we can be realigned and we can have a longing for righteousness, a longing for God's best and his right way to live our lives. So I gave you some Old Testament examples, a lot of them there on fasting. But I want you to know that Jesus spoke of fasting. And you only need three words from Jesus to understand that he expected fasting to happen, uh, that it was a reality in his day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, here's what he says. I'm only going to give you three words. When you fast. Here's why I only need to give you three. He did not say if you fast. When you fast. When this happens in your life. It was a regular part of the, of the life of people in that day. And they say, but what about the church? You say, I think I remember somewhere that Jesus' disciples didn't fast. You're right. John chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9. There's actually a bit of a concern that comes up because you have this, uh, followers of John the Baptist who were there. And they fast, they fasted often. They were drawing near to God. They were fasting. You have the Pharisees and the religious people, they're fasting. And then when Jesus' people are going along, when all the other people are fasting, they're not fasting. So John's disciples come to Jesus in John chapter nine verse 14 I'm sorry, John, Matthew chapter nine, verse 14. Here's what it says. It says, "And John's disciples came and they asked Jesus, "How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast?" It's a good question. Here's what Jesus answers with. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn when he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from him. Then they will fast. So what Jesus says is that in this time, what God is doing, the bridegroom is here, meaning he's here. And for them, they're celebrating his presence. They're experiencing that. They are just focused on the mission that's in front of them. But Jesus says, a time will come when I'm taken away when that happens, they will fast. So it becomes this expectation that this, they will fast. This will be a part of their life. You say, okay, pastor, but do we see that? Yes, we do. Let's come on. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, let's flip there. In the early church, we already saw how Paul did this after he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed his life. He fasted and set apart food and drink as he was seeking the Lord. But in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, here's what it says. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke, said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. Verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. We go forward another chapter to Acts chapter 14, verse 23. As Paul and Barnabas are traveling around to different churches, we see that Paul and Barnabas, it says, appointed elders from each church And with fasting and prayer... They committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So we see that fasting and prayer becomes a regular part of the early church in the book of Acts. We see it's happening at these key times, at these key times of decision, at these key seasons that they enter into. And here's what I know. We have said it, and I know many of you have said it. I want to see the church look like the church in the book of Acts. I want to be that church. Come on, somebody. Guess what? Then let's start doing the things that they did. <laughs> let's practice the things that they practice. Let's draw near to God in those ways. And guess what? we can expect to see God do those things. So we see this happening. I mean, this has been challenging me in my own walk with the Lord. Lord, what does it look like to draw nearer and nearer to you, Lord? And that's what's prompted this season for us. I want to give you a couple of quotes that have meant a lot to me as I've been just preparing my heart for what's in store to help us understand this. I said that the answer to unbelief and, and perversion is Prayer and fasting, we see this. We see this come up because prayer in one hand, it's what allows us to get near to God. And fasting is what allows us to separate or to cut ourselves off from those things in the world. Even good things so we can draw near to God. I like how Andrew Murray says it. He says, prayer is the one hand in which we grasp the invisible. And fasting is the other hand in which we let go of the visible. Prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. So this is the prayer and fasting. These go hand in hand. We see them uh, connected to one another as we look in Scripture. The book that uh, Pastor Paul had shared with you, Awakening by Stovall Weems, uh, is a great quote in that book. He says, disconnecting from the distractions of the world through fasting, disconnecting, And connecting to the power and presence of God through prayer brings a supernatural freshness and newness in our souls. How many of you would like to experience that in 2018? It happens through prayer and fasting. It's about connecting to God and disconnecting from some other things that might be distractions so we can press in to him. So now at this point, I want to take some time to just unpackage with you some practical pieces around this, okay? So if you have your notes, this is where I really want you to make sure you're taking some notes to pray and think about this. So the first thing you have to do, the first step, is you have to decide what kind of fast you're going to do. So we're going to put these up. This is the first point, is decide your type of fast. And I should have a, yeah, decide your fast. What type of fasting will you take part in? So there are three basic categories that I would give you to think about. Uh, first one would be a partial fast. This is not eating one or two meals on a specific day or abstaining from certain kinds of food. This is different. I want you to be, be mindful that in a fast, it isn't similar to what some would celebrate or, or remember going through Lent. I'm going to give up candy this way or th- like this one thing. But often it it spreads out and it stretches us. So... You know, if you're lactose intolerant and you're giving up ice cream, that's not necessarily the fast the Lord is looking for. Are you with me? If you don't like vegetables and you say, I'm going to go on this kind of reverse Daniel fast or I'm only eating meat uh, because I can't stand vegetables. That's not, that's not necessarily it. Are you with me? It's abstaining from a certain kind of food. It could be like a partial fast or from certain meals on a day. Um, one great example of, of a partial fast like this would be the Daniel fast, and I've already heard from some that are many are thinking about this as their fast. It's consuming only vegetables, fruit, water, juice, and certain grains, and if you go to our website, you could find some resources, or you could find them online for a Daniel fast if that's where the Lord is leading you. Um, then you have a daily fast, and what this would look like would be abstaining from food for one or multiple days in a given week. So we're going over this 21-day period, and perhaps there's a few days that you would be prompted to just do a complete fast on that day or on multiple days of a week. Um, And that would be abstaining from food on on that day or those days. Um, And then we would go kind of further to what I would call an extended fast. An extended fast would be totally abstaining from food for multiple days in a row. Here's what I'll tell you. If you've never fasted before, please consult a doctor before you take any step like that. Um, if you're feeling prompted in that way, uh, you want to make sure that you could prepare yourself for that and you could be ready for that. Um, and if you fasted before, maybe the Lord will allow you to, uh, to do an extended fast or even a complete fast of th- those 21 days. But that should not be entered into without you making sure you uh, have access to the wisdom of those around you uh, so that you just make sure that you're safe and you're walking through that in that way. Um, So those are the types of fasts. And I would really encourage anyone, if you have health concerns or anything where where it could be around eating, and if you would cut off eating for any period of time, it might cause an issue for you. You really need to talk to a medical professional. Let them know what you're doing. Take uh, their uh, advice into consideration and take that seriously. Because for us, it's not about the dieting. It's about the drawing near to God. Are you with me? It's about making sure that's the case. And so decide what kind of fast you will do. The second is declare your dependency on God. It's about really taking time as you prepare yourself to declare your dependency upon the Lord in this season. What are you depending on God for in this season? And as we do that, we begin to realize he is our source. He is the one that as we draw near to him, we receive from him. We become dependent on him, not on food, not on other things. It's during this kind of time. Some people would ask, well, what about, I mean, social media fasts? I've heard about uh, television fasts or these other things. Um, I believe this is where that comes in. As you've already taken a step, so this is a type of fasting I'm doing. In your declaring of your dependency on the Lord, it's where the Lord might begin to reveal things or you might begin to recognize things that are also something that's kind of feeding you, something you're longing for. I mean, some, we long more for those social media things and those posts and all that attention or whatever it might be. It's in this season that the Lord might say, you know what, as you're taking this time, you're drawing near to me, why don't you cut yourself off for that for a season as well? Why don't you allow some of those things to decrease so that I can increase? Are you with me? And so it's in that that you will begin to see things come to the surface. And I want you, as they do, to follow those promptings as well. Begin to say, Lord, what other areas of my life do I need to decrease so I can increase my focus, my dependency, my my time with you? And it's there that the Lord might lead you to certain things. And I don't want to give too many of them because I don't want you just to do this. I really want you to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you in that. But what do I decrease, Lord, so that you can increase in my life? As you're doing this, there's a few things, and I'm just giving these are from my own personal reflections with the Lord, and as I've been, uh, you know, looking, praying, reading, um, these are some things that I will be doing to prepare myself, and as I walk through this, and I hope that you will uh, take some of these as well. One of them is as we fast, we need to begin to feast on the Word of God. Jesus makes this clear as he's tempted. He said, um, my food is, is, is to do the will of God. He, he says that my food is to, ultimately it comes from him, from every word that comes from the mouth of God. So feast on the word of God, spend time in the word, and you'll see how it comes alive to you. In this season, as you're preparing your heart and as you're going through this, begin to seek forgiveness for areas that maybe you begin to realize Don't align with God's heart. Maybe there are things that you've been doing, things that have happened. You need forgiveness. You need to just come back to the Lord and say, Lord, um, I just bring this before you right now. I never even knew this, but there's a way in me that's been offensive, Lord. There's a way in me that's been crooked. And Lord, I I didn't even know it, but now I do. And bring that before the Lord and you'll just, you'll feel his grace. You'll feel his mercy. Uh, But it's an important process uh, in our lives is just coming and recognizing and quickly coming back to the Lord um, and just experiencing his grace and his mercy. In our lives. I want you to invite, I encourage you, invite God's presence into every area of your life. As you're praying, as you're drawing near, just invite God's presence into the every area, into your work, into your private time, into your relationships, into your marriage, into your family, into just every area. Just invite God's presence into those areas of your life. Allow Him to search your heart. Allow Him to work in your heart. Refocus your priorities. As you're doing this, think about the things that matter most. This is a great time for you just to rethink where are my priorities. Ask the Lord to even lead you, guide you. Have I been putting a priority on things that, man, they're not, they are not—they don't matter as much? Are my priorities out of order in my life? I may say that they're not, but when I look at my time and how much time I'm spending, is does it tell a different story? Spend time refocusing these priorities on the Lord, on what matters most as you're drawing near to him. And uh, most importantly, I believe, make up make a list. Make a prayer list. Start to identify, call out those areas that you are trusting God for breakthrough. You're expecting God to break through. You're believing God to do greater things and put those things before the Lord. Continue to trust him for those. Make a list, a prayer list, and continue to revisit it as you walk through this season. So that's the second thing, declaring your dependency. And finally, and Pastor Rick, you can come up at this time, expect results. Come on, I said Expect results. Expect God to move. I want all the faith and some that we could stand and sing. I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. You believe God to move, to draw near to work as we draw near to him. The results are up to God. They're in his hand. But I want you to know as you draw near and as we take this season, we can expect God to move. We can expect God to do amazing things. As you pray for the church, we're believing God to bring great breakthrough here corporately. We're believing God for breakthrough individually in your life. But let's believe God for those results. And I believe that uh, one great place for us to look here, and if you come back to our prayer night, I believe it's this first one. If not, it's one of the, the, the future ones. We're going to be diving deeper into Isaiah chapter 58. It's a it's a great passage of scripture on fasting. But... Um, As I was looking at the end of that, you begin to see the Lord make promises of what we can expect when we draw near to God in the right ways. When our hearts come near to Him and when we focus on Him in these right ways. And I want to just share these with you because these are some of the results that you can expect, I believe, as you enter into this season, as you take this seriously. Isaiah 58, 8 and 9. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. These are the promises that God has for us as we take him at his word, as we draw near to him. And as you're praying, I kind of made four H's to try to make it a little easier. Here's where you can expect results as we see in Isaiah 58. The first one is in hearing that you can receive clarity and direction. He says, your light will break forth like the dawn. What was unclear will be as clear as day. So we're going to hear from God. We're going to sense you can expect that as you draw near, especially in a season of prayer and fasting. Secondly, your healing will quickly appear. Physical, spiritual, emotional healing. We can expect God to move in those ways as we draw near in this way. His word promises it then your righteousness will go before you. Holiness. We can expect holiness. So we can expect the blessing of being set apart by God. That's the third thing that you can expect is holiness. Just that blessing of being set apart. He said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. This fulfillment that comes from being a part of God's people to being near to him. And finally, you will call and the Lord will answer. You can expect help. You can expect answers. You can expect breakthrough from God, not from us, as we take God out of his word and as we trust him in this way. Amen? So this is what we can expect as we draw near to God during this season. As we get ready to conclude our service today, we're going to do something special. That before we go into a season of fasting with abstaining from food, and as we begin this fast, it's going to kick off tomorrow. And again, avail yourself to all the resources. Sign up for the daily devotionals. We'll be emailing those out to you every day that you can meditate on the Lord. But the final thing that we're going to do before we go into the time of fasting, the final act that we'll do corporately together is coming to the Lord's table for communion. And uh, this is just a beautiful moment where we get to draw near to him. And the final thing that we do to kind of usher us into this season is just coming right back to Jesus again and thanking him for his body and for his sacrifice, taking at his table and then entering into this season. Amen. So let's just quiet our hearts. Let's just prepare ourselves for this right now. We're going to take these last moments and get ready to take part in communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to take part in communion, but you have to be a part of God's family. You have to be... Forgiven of your sins by Jesus. This is this is what makes this meal so special. It's not just any other meal. It's not just a cup and, and bread. This is showing the sacrifice of our Lord. And he died for you and he loves you. And today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer right now with me. Today, if you know that you're not right with God, but you want this new year to start off right with him, you want to put your faith in him and follow him and experience everything that I've even talked about today, say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Pray pray to your dear Jesus. I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me today I put all my trust in you today I follow you and I will follow you every day of my life in Jesus name amen amen if you said that prayer today you're part of the family of God we're so excited for you but again we're now going to prepare our hearts to take part in communion just hold on to each of the elements you're going to receive a piece of bread and a a cup hold on to it and we'll all eat together uh, to conclude our service this morning those that are serving are going to come let's set our hearts on the Lord as we worship him